This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, as you heard in Bob's news, the Ford government has just released the latest fiscal update for the province and the numbers look better than expected, with the deficit $700 million lower than projected in the budget. It's largely because of one-time transfers from Ottawa and Finance Minister Peter Vethlin-Falvey says he's setting money aside for COVID contingencies but not allocating it because he doesn't know exactly where it'll be needed. Now, in the past, the government has come under fire for not spending that money, but putting it towards the deficit and making their numbers look better. And I bet that's where the opposition is coming from again. So let's bring in NDP, MPP, and finance critic, Catherine Fife. Hello, Catherine. Good afternoon, Libby. So is, uh, am I right? Is that what you are objecting to? Well, I mean, this has been a consistent pattern with this government, and and we have argued all along that strategic investment would have uh, helped us weather COVID-19 better, uh, particularly on the education side of the uh, ledger and, of course, uh, supports for small business. Uh, it is really interesting to know, though, those federal transfer payments were coming to Ontario to assist us with COVID-19 and, and help us respond to a health and economic crisis, Libby. Uh, I think the people of this province are, would be well within their rights to ask the Premier, you know, why are you squirreling it away? Why is it, that, why is it still unallocated? And why haven't we learned lessons on how best to support our health care workers and to make sure that we have a safe September going forward. Well, I'm sure they would argue that they're doing a great job uh, in long-term care. They uh-huh. uh, keep announcing more people being hired. Uh, they're announcing more care over a long period of time. Uh, it, you know, the the numbers attached to those announcements are not what most people think is necessary, but. Uh, I guess that's that's what they're saying. They're saying they're doing it. They're just bringing in HEPA filters in schools. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, I, I just want to say I want to back up a little bit here because really and truly the number one issue that MPPs are hearing across the province of Ontario, Libby, is how can we make sure that we have a safe September for our students, particularly for those students who are 12 and under and will be going back in school uh, unvaccinated. Uh, so I, ha- I hosted an education town hall last night. Parents, students alike are concerned about the measures that have not been taken uh, to ensure that every school across the province has lower class sizes, has a comprehensive ventilation system, and has a vaccination program that is, you know, hopefully would be school-centered. So we just heard this morning um, that parents are calling for uh, vaccination uh, to come into schools so that we reduce all the barriers for those students who are eligible to be vaccinated. And look at our healthcare system right now. I mean, the nurses across this province are completely and utterly burnt out. And this government continues to hold them to a, a salary increase of 1%, has, has not recognized that this last year has been absolutely devastating for the healthcare sector. And, and quite honestly, it's insulting when the premier says that, you know, there are heroes, but then he turns his back on them when it comes to demonstrating tangibly that finances actually do matter to nurses as well. Uh, nurses across the province uh, are also calling for mandatory vaccination for health care and education workers. Uh, yep. Your leader, Andrea Horvath, had to flip-flop last week after she said she wasn't in favor. Uh, that, but, but uh, she presu- did clarify. I just want to be really clear. She did. She, she, she did, uh, did clarify, and she had she offered a genuine uh, you know, uh, apology for that. Uh, and, and since then, I mean, I was just at a press conference with her this morning. We've been very clear. We absolutely support 
mandatory vaccinations for those who are working with our most vulnerable, which is in our education system and in our health care system. And, but we're also, you know, we're, we're quite different from the other parties. We want to make sure that we understand what those barriers are, Libby, and that requires additional support for public health. And public health had come under attack by Doug Ford's government prior to the pandemic, and we were caught back on our feet because, you know, uh, because at this, this government point, doesn't value public health care. At this point... I, I don't know how many barriers are left. I keep hearing stories. I mean, somebody saying, gee, I, w- I was in Trinity Bellwoods Park and there were public health workers, uh, you know, walking up to people and asking if they're vaccinated and they want a vaccination. Uh, so, well, we you know, I do, think the barriers some, are being data. resolved. We, sorry? I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we do have some data that demonstrates that you know, there are uh, racialized workers who are, who are employed precariously, who can't get the time off work. Uh, the Medical Association has come out with some of those stories, sharing anecdotally why people can't get vaccinated. And so, listen, it should be right now in Ontario a full court press to make sure that everyone has access to a vaccine. That would require the government investing in public health care. To date, you can see that they are sitting on money. The financial accountability officer for the province of Ontario, who is nonpartisan and who is an independent officer of the legislature, uh, reported uh, last uh, in June, I'm sorry, July, that $12.3 billion that was budgeted to address the pandemic had not actually been spent. So we, you know, and and that was in peak, that was post-peak wave three. Here we are, Libby. Everyone is, everyone should be doing everything that they possibly can to avoid another shutdown, a fourth wave. And uh, right now, uh, when the government demonstrates that they're unwilling to invest in health and safety, they're unwilling to support businesses who have been devastated by these lockdowns, uh, that, that that clearly indicates that this government is disconnected from the real priorities of Ontario. Well, uh, you know, um, I, I just do have to disagree with you on the the vaccine. I think that uh, at this point, and if if you check the Twitter feeds of people promoting vaccines, most of the people are either on the, on the fence or don't want to get vaccinated because I think there is a full court press for getting people vaccinated. Uh, there are a lot of um, a lot of there's a lot of criticism about what is going on the schools in the schools for sure. And and just as an which observer, is, let me just as as an observer of this government, why do you think they're so hesitant to mandate mandatory vaccines for people dealing with vulnerable people? Why do you think? I mean, it's a, that's an excellent question. It goes against their own health science table's advice, um, which, of course, they've inconsistently listened to throughout this entire pandemic, which we would argue has led us into, a, a, you know, a more devastating pandemic. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, listening to our health ministers say that, you know, it's not needed, uh, that it's too complicated, Please remember that this is the government that actually hired a firm and spent taxpayer dollars to actually design and develop a plan for a passport and then failed to apply it. So I, I think that these are ideological um, challenges for Mr. Ford and his ministers. Uh, we think it's irresponsible, quite honestly, to not do everything and incentivize vaccination. Um, and then also, I mean, on the on the prevention piece, going back to that school, the the safety and health and safety protocols that should be in place in our schools, parents are outraged, Libby, that, you know, here we are in the middle of August and uh, just yesterday a protocol was announced where, there, where, you know, if an infection does happen in a school, what may or may not happen. Uh, this is a government that has had more than enough time to develop a, a, a holistic plan on how to make our, our safe September a priority. When you look at where they're investing money, uh, they demonstrated that having a safe September is not their priority. Okay, Catherine Fife, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Libby. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, yesterday afternoon, the federal government announced that it's working on a vaccine passport for international travel. Should should we call it a vaxport? It's something travelers and businesses have been calling for, something that has been in use 
for months in Europe and Israel, and it will be coming in next door in Quebec and in Manitoba. So presumably, the federal digital offering could be used locally. So are they bailing out the province, which has steadfastly refused to bring this in despite the calls from business? And how much is it worth if it does not come with a list of places where you have to show it to gain entry? So uh, what do you think about vaccine passports? Would you like to get yours? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to bring in Jan De Silva, CEO and President of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, and Donna Dewar, co-owner of Mildred's Temple Kitchen uh, restaurant right here in Liberty Village. Hello. Hello, And I think Ian Smith is with us now as well, and he is on the Industry Council of Canada and owner of Orange Theory Fitness in downtown Toronto. So, Jan, let's start with you. And firstly, on a whole other topic, we seem to have confirmation that uh, the election is on for September 20th. Do you have a reaction? Um, I think we were expecting this news, and uh, we look forward to moving forward through this to get this behind us so we can keep focused on uh, reopening and recovery. Okay, well, let's move on to the subject at hand. Uh, Yesterday, we saw that the federal government does have plans to... uh, they're working apparently on a vaccine passport. Does, Does that answer your demand, Jen? Look, the uh, announcement by the Fed yesterday is excellent news as it reopens uh, international travel for our businesses that require it. Um, In terms of what we have been asking for for our markets locally, we've been calling for a COVID safe pass. We want a tool that provides uh, businesses uh, assurance for their workers and for their customers that it's a COVID safe environment. It's an additional layer of protection. And what the pass would do... QR code-based smartphone or other tools, if required for somebody without a smartphone, simply signal that uh, a patron or a worker is COVID safe. Uh, The system would either recognize that that individual has immunization or a recent negative COVID test. And what we want to avoid at all costs is another general lockdown. It's been too painful to our restaurants, to our gyms, and to so many of our small businesses. Does is is it worthwhile if it doesn't come with a list of places where you need it to gain entry? And it's up to the business owner to say, okay, you need this to come into my place of business. Look, our, our businesses, I don't, I don't think we're being fair to businesses to say set your own policy. Uh, the reality is we consult in the legal community. We've got a lot of employers that we're working with with plans for reopening, and they're really caught in the middle. On the one hand, our employers have a responsibility to keep their workers safe at work. And on the other hand, they could be uh, facing charges of discrimination if they're requiring certain standards that have not been mandated by the government. So we really do need something that is government-endorsed to enable us to move forward. Uh, Province of Quebec is moving forward with this September 1st, indicating it's for non-essential businesses. We really encourage the government of Ontario to do the same. Okay. Uh, Donna Dewar. Hi, Donna. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? So uh, what what do you think of this idea? Would you like to see a vaccine passport? And, and um, would you like to see the government, as it is in Quebec, saying you need to have one of these things if you want to dine indoors? I think we've reached that point where, you know, the government has to be mandating clearly uh, to support businesses to to the point uh, the point that was just made, we are, we're not in the business of policing, uh, particularly in the hospitality industry. We have a lot of young workers who are greeting our guests at the door or bussing tables. Um, and, and we, we have encountered these situations not wanting to wear masks when they come into our business. Very confrontational. It puts staff in a very unsafe, vulnerable position. Uh, and, you know, they have to de-escalate situations. So I really feel it's time for the government to step in and get a cohesive plan, not just at the province, but right across the country. Let's face it, everybody's out there 
coming up with various scenarios. Why can't they work together to make this happen? Okay, yeah, I don't know that that's a federal jurisdiction. Ian Smith, what about you? I mean, would you like to see a so-called vax board, but but going along with it, would you like to see the government of Ontario, like the government of Quebec, saying, you need to flash one of these if you want to go to a gym? Hey, Tim, yeah, thanks for having me on. So, I mean, Orange Theory's thing throughout the pandemic is um, we've followed all kind of government and the science community's direction um, to do whatever is going to be safest for our communities. So if the government was implementing a system um, like that, we would absolutely follow suit and implement that within our studios. I think uh, it's an interesting point about provincial versus federal and what that jurisdiction looks like. I mean, for Orange Theory in particular, it kind of poses some other business challenges when doing it provincially. Uh, like we have studios coast to coast across Canada and one of the luxuries is our members are able to use studios as they travel and as they go across the country. So having kind of different scenarios by province uh, poses an actual business challenge and it is kind of a disservice to our members. So I think it should be looked at federally and that decision should be something consistent across the country. Uh, um, but do you, do you want that or are you happy with the way things are? I, I'm good with sort of following kind of what's going to be the best for our communities and what's going to reduce the risk and make sure that we're able to operate successfully. I know for my CEO in particular, we've been closed for over 14 months and it's not viable to continue like that. So if, if a vaccine passport would mean that we are not going to face any more business interruption and that we would be able to continue to operate and avoid shutdowns, then absolutely we would, we would want to adopt that program. So that's, you know, what the science community and the government's coming forward and stating that we're going to be able to move forward in 100%. Okay, let's take a call from Vera in Woodbridge. Hello, Vera. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. Yes, I'm all for this passport, vaccine passport, or whatever they want to give me. I don't want to carry that 8.5 by 11 piece of paper with me all the time. Right. But uh, fold do you th- it and then fold it. If I laminate it, it's a huge thing to carry around. I really don't understand what the government's problem is. I don't understand why they're hesitating on this. Okay, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us uh, don't really quite understand either. But do you think that would you want to see the government come down and say you need to be vaccinated, you need to have this passport to get into a gym or dine indoors? What's what's happened in the last year and a half? Yes, I think it's important that they do that. Okay, Vera, thank you for that. Jen, uh, back to this issue of the businesses being the enforcers. I mean, I know that you're grappling with the whole question of whether businesses can mandate that their employees be vaccinated. But what about this issue of, of putting them in the position of being enforcers to their customers? Well, and again, I, I think as our restaurant guest has indicated from Mildred's, the we've already put them in that position with the masking and the social distancing protocols that they've had to enforce. I think having a standardized tool, and I fully agree with both our, our fellow, my fellow guests on the show, it has to be interoperable across Canada because we do have patrons who are coming not just from Ontario, but from other provinces. And that's putting a lot of onus on a small business to try to be able to know what is a a proof of vaccination from Manitoba or the U.S. Um, So something that is totally interoperable is required. Again, what we're hearing from our members is any additional layer of protection that will keep their businesses open that can avoid another lockdown is what is required. We need to be throwing everything we can at this pandemic. Our battle is with the pandemic. It's not with each other, which is why we're calling for this COVID safe path. Mm-hmm. So would it be something that would only be deployed if the numbers get worse, if the fourth wave gets worse? Well, that's certainly how Quebec is choosing uh, to implement the program. They had signaled a few weeks ago that they were considering this for September 1st if the case counts raised. They've now uh, signaled they will be moving forward September 1st because the case counts have raised. And we're seeing our daily case counts. They're rising as well. 
Um, so it's a tool that can be deployed as required. Hopefully, at a certain point in the future, we'll, we'll, be, we'll have this pandemic behind us. It'll be more like a common flu than the devastating impact it's having today. And the tools that we're talking about, like this COVID safe pass or vax pass, won't be required. But in short order, we feel we need it um, to get our workers back into office towers to become the daytime customers of small business and to keep our community safe. Donna, what about the other side of that? And that is the question of whether you can mandate that your employees get vaccinated or, or even that they disclose it. Uh, how do you stand on that? I, I want my employees to be vaccinated. Uh, right now, as it stands in, in our business, everyone that's working on our team has had their first a vaccine shot, and many of them have had their second. So, uh, and and I have some workers who are, you know, thinking they would like to come back and and work, but um, I know they haven't been vaccinated, and I'm, <laughs> you know, I want to know if you've been vaccinated or not. But then again, we, you know, I don't ask for proof of it uh, because there is, other than you know, showing me a piece of paper that has you know, the validity is could be questionable. Um, again, this is just another layer of uncertainty that's put upon our businesses. And I feel that the government has the ability to help us navigate through this if they took if they really took a position where they wanted to help us, uh, you know, move forward out of the pandemic and also this survive through this economic, devastating economic uh, time we've been through. Have you had any employees who didn't want to tell you what their vaccine status was? No, I have not. And we're, we're very cautious about the way we ask the question because there are, again, there's, it's very gray. Uh, if I understood my, the way I heard the minister of health describing it the other day, it's up to businesses as to whether or not they want their their uh, staff to be vaccinated, but but I don't see that being accurate when I look at you know the labor laws here in Ontario. So, you know that is another, as I say, is another gray area that we're we're navigating through. So, it's it's, it's going to be a stopped. good day for lawyers. That's all I can yes, say. It's a very good day for lawyers. Yes. Ian Smith, what about you? Have you been asking your employees if they're vaccinated? So, just similar kind of to echo the other points uh, from colleagues who join me here i think uh it's not something that like small businesses should be making any decisions on i mean this is over a year and a half into the pandemic i can speak uh as a small business owner our opinion has not been listened to in any regard so whether we're open close operating with masks, not masks, what the distance is um no matter what kind of other data we can pull industry specific I've asked you, have you asked your employees if they're vaccinated? No, no, we have not. You have not. Okay. And have your customers been asking if your employees are vaccinated? Uh, No, they have not. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting, because I know that in a lot of places, that's the first thing that that people want to know. Um, Jan, back to you. Uh, are most employers uh, that are your members, are they asking their employees or uh, how are they navigating that? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. They're struggling with the question. There is, it's a really um, difficult situation, as I, I noted before, where they're caught between having a legal op- obligation to provide worker safety and at the same time um, facing the risk of being charged with discrimination. Um, I can tell you a group we've been working very closely with is uh, the financial district uh, downtown Toronto, 550,000 daytime employees before covid 2,500 small businesses in that district that relied on that employee base to be their customers. And 70% of those employees have been working from home for the past 18 months. Those uh, employers are making plans to reopen starting in a September horizon. But as they're surveying their employees, their employees are signaling they're nervous about returning to the office if they're working around unvaccinated staff. They're very concerned about Delta variants. They're very concerned about new news that even if they are vaccinated, they could still be transmitting um, the virus and very concerned about their unvaccinated children. So we are continuing to ask for clarity and support from the government. 
um, so that businesses can operate safely, so that our workers can feel safe returning to the office, and so that small businesses can have their customer base back. Um, it's interesting. You know, one of uh, my regular panelists, Charles Souza, who's the former finance minister, he said, hey, why doesn't the government, the provincial government, indemnify employers against human rights uh, mm-hmm. cases. I mean, you know, to me, they indemnified nursing homes against lawsuits, you know, that, that result from all the most egregious cases of, of negligence. Is that yeah. something that's come up for you, Jen? Well, it's, you know, we need, we need a solution. I mean, we've seen a lot of major employers in the U.S. signal that uh, unless employees are vaccinated, they can't return to the physical office. They can continue to work uh, offline. Um, and the topic we're talking about, Libby, this applies equally for our universities and colleges that are planning to reopen, uh, you know, in-class sessions with international students coming in and even with local students being able to have tools like a COVID safe pass to provide proof of immunization or a recent negative test would go a long way to give us better indicators on where outbreaks are happening and, and to keep the outbreaks under control. Uh, and Jan, it, the universities seem to be out front and not worried about mandating vaccines for people to be on campus. Is there any reason why they would have less to worry about than a business? Um, I don't. I don't believe, from a student perspective, that they've got um, as much risk as employers would have. Because I, I know Seneca College and I believe University of Ottawa are the two that have indicated 100% of students need to be uh, vaccinated. And U of T last night. And U of T last night. And um, but what the, they're indicating is that students have an option. If they choose not to be vaccinated, they can choose courses online. So they've got um, they've got a different um, relationship with the students than they do uh, that an employer would have with an employee under the labor laws. Would be my understanding. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. Murray and Malton. Hello, Murray. Hi. How are you? Fine. Go ahead. Good. Good. Uh, Justin Trudeau is coming out with a vaccine passport. Doug Ford has already said that uh, if if you want to ask an employee to show uh, proof of vaccination, you can use that. So I don't see a problem. I see Doug Ford trying to save money on this. Uh, well, yeah, but Doug Ford won't, he won't mandate it. I mean, it's one thing uh, uh, we've just been hearing from Jen and our other two guests that, you know, businesses, if they mandate uh, some of this, they could face some legal jeopardy uh, if it's not a law from the government. Yes, I understand that. And like you mentioned about the nursing home, uh, that I, I don't believe that's the way Doug Ford wrote it. It's just the way the lawyers wrote it. And it kind of went against him. Uh, so he's he's kind of cautious, I think. Uh, that. uh, that's his. That's his. That was his government's thing after a ton of lobbying from the long-term care industry, because they said, "Hey, if you don't indemnify us, we won't get insurance." Uh, yes, so that's how that's how that happened. Uh, so you know we have to we have to assume that Doug Ford is stands behind the policies of his government. Well, he he actually did stand behind it, but I don't think that that's what, exactly what he wanted. What he wanted with that was to protect the squealers from. Uh, uh, retribution or whatever, right? Okay, okay, Murray. To, but I don't think, uh, if he does it with the employers, right, he'll, he'll have the same problem again. Oh, okay, Murray. Let's go to Karen. Karen in Bolton. Hi, Karen. Hi, Libby. I'm just calling about, when I'm listening to all this about uh, the vaccine passports, etc., I'm concerned about the schools. I know that they were supposed to fix ventilation systems in the schools. And as you said, they've had plenty of time to do this. I don't know whether they've done it. Do you know if they've done it? Uh, I think they have uh, partially done it. And they announced they're bringing HEPA filters into schools. Yeah, but everyone. they talked about that ages ago. I mean, have they done it, though? This is my concern. I have grandkids going back to school. Okay. That's what my concern is. So what do you think about a vaccine passport, though? I absolutely agree with it. I can't understand why they're waiting. I mean, I think it's absolutely essential. Anyway, that's my concern. That's what I think. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we have this whole mishmash. We have universities uh, basically saying you have to be vaccinated to be on campus. And we have businesses wondering what to do. And uh, Ian Smith, so uh, are, are you basically saying that you'd be happy the way things are now? Nobody has to be vaccinated uh, and nobody has to tell you what the status is. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, Orange Theory has been in the stance of getting people vaccinated, and I think it does reduce the transmission and the outdoor communities. I think we just need direction from the government on it and not to make our individual decisions on that because it just creates a lot of inconsistencies. It creates a lot of confusion, and it puts small businesses that have already been through so much in another layer of uncertainty. Uh, and Donna, uh, tell me a little bit more. I mean, you've said that there's been some confrontational situations. I mean, I think that side of it is getting worse, not better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. You know, the issue is very polarizing. Um, the masking issue has been very polarizing. The vaccine passport issue will be polarizing too. I, I'm I'm very mindful of vaccine hesitancy, and I I understand that just. You know, because you haven't been vaccinated doesn't mean you're anti-vaxxer or you think there's a greater conspiracy afoot. But I, I feel that, you know, at, there comes a point in, in humanity when some tough decisions have to be made. We will not be able to please every individual on this, this case. It, it, it's not going to happen. But I think for the greater good and to get us to move us through the stage that we're at and to avoid particularly that fourth um, wave of lockdown, if that's coming, there are economic implications. There are also emotional implications. People are tired. They're worn down. The workers who have been working throughout all of this uh, are, are very tired. And I also think of these, the strain it puts on our health care system which we're very blessed to have here in Canada, but it, it can only bear so much. And why would we allow continually allow this to happen over and over again when there are solutions? Not going to make everybody happy, but we also have other ways to navigate through some of that vaccine hesitancy. We're seeing it with the universities. If you are not vaccinated, you can still do your classes online. You know, there are solutions. We have to be a little creative. It's different for a restaurant or a gym where you, you will be there in person. We can't go offline. But um, I think that, you know, there are solutions there, but the government needs really needs to take a firm position on this. And I, I don't understand why they're so reluctant to do so. Okay, let's take a call from Anthony in Markham. Hello, Anthony. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? Fine. How are you? Go ahead. Good, thank you. I'm calling about the passport uh, requirement. Uh, when I came to Canada in 1968, um, other than the regular passport from the, from the UK, to enter Canada, we needed a smallpox vaccination uh, equivalent of a passport. Uh, I had mine done uh, in the UK with my doctor, no problem. When we arrived, when the flight arrived in Montreal, um, I was immigrating here, uh, immigration or health officials came on board, checked everybody out. There were two little old ladies who had their passports, but they didn't have proof of smallpox uh, vaccination. They were taken off the aircraft. We sat on Montreal, Dorval Airport for two hours while they were taken off. They were given the smallpox vaccination, and then they were allowed back on the flight. We continued on to Toronto. So we had a choice then. If you want to enter Canada, you had to have the smallpox vaccination. So likewise now, if you want to do certain activities, restaurants, travel, whatever, you should have a vaccine certificate or passport for COVID-19. Simple as that. You have a choice. You either have it or you don't. Okay, Anthony. Thank you for that. And uh, we have basically eradicated smallpox with that vaccine. We're basically out of time. I'm going to give the last word to Jan. Well, the last word I would say is I don't like the headlines being written in the New York Times about Toronto being the lockdown capital of North America. I think it's critical that we put every possible layer of protection in place uh, for our businesses to keep them open and to safely navigate through what appears to be a very imminent fourth wave that's going to hit us. So 
call it vaccination passport. We call it a COVID safe pass. We really encourage support from the government to get this in place. All right. Thank you so much, Jan De Silva, CEO and President of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, Donna Dewar of Mildred's Temple Kitchen, and Ian Smith of Orange Theory Fitness. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Libby. Bye-bye. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about, you know, uh, something that's a little tangential to this. And, you know, this are you vaccinated or not is becoming an issue among friends. How do you ask? Uh, should you cut somebody off if they're not vaccinated and that makes you nervous? I've heard stories about people sending out wedding invitations only if you're vaccinated. So the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. While we are on the subject of proof of vaccination, how to bring up the question with friends and acquaintances has a lot of people fretting. And how do you respond to people who aren't taking the shot? Do you cut them off? Do you try to convince them? Do you just avoid the topic and the potential conflict. I'd like to hear from you. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And let's go to Dr. Alon Vaisman, an infectious disease and infection control physician at the University Health Network. Dr. Steve Jordans is a psychology professor at the U of T Scarborough and lifestyle and etiquette expert, Carrie Macbeth. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, I want to start with you because something that you are saying really made me think. You said, don't treat people who are unvaccinated like pariahs. And honestly, when I thought about it, that's kind of happening in my circle. You know, there are whispers, uh, you know, so-and-so I think might be an anti-vaxxer or hasn't taken the shot. And and like, it's it's a little almost high school. And, uh, you know, these are from people who are fully vaccinated and careful and at the moment still we're outdoors. So tell me more about that view of yours. Well, I think if you look at the people who are still haven't been vaccinated, there's probably a very small minority of these people who are actively spreading disinformation. But the vast majority of them are not like that. They're just simply people who aren't well-informed or need to take a look more at this information. So if, if we step back and we ask ourselves, what is the ultimate goal here? The ultimate goal is to get as many people safely vaccinated as possible, to be informed and to want to be vaccinated. It's, it's not to isolate people. It's not to ostracize them. And of course, vaccine mandates make sense in high-risk areas, but we're talking about social situations. It's, it's a totally different situation. You, you want to be sympathetic to people. You want to have reasonable conversations. So, you know, being careful and kind to people can go a long way in this in this case. Well, I mean, and I think it's a thing because I'm wondering, I mean, you know, I get questions online saying if, if you're vaccinated and you're wearing a mask in social situations, why are you worried about people who are not uh, who are, who are not doing the same? And and, you know, the fact is that most of the people I know stayed safe for months and months before we had vaccines. So um, I, I'm just wondering if, you know, if, uh, w- what I'm really encountering is that people who are vaccinated want uh, people who are not to be excluded. Yeah, I think there are going to be social situations where certainly the masking, the vaccination is going to go a long way to protect you. And of course, we want to ask people to do those things safely. So for most part, a lot of that, whether your friend is vaccinated or not, is not going to affect what you do. But then, of course, there are social situations where you're going to be close to one another, where you do feel that you may be at risk of transmitting the infection. So, you know, that's where I I sympathize with people having concerns about their friends not being vaccinated. But just think about the context first before we make those judgments. Yeah. uh, Dr. Jordans, uh, you know, what is behind that? Again, uh, you know, more and more people are vaccinated. And and again, uh, even in myself, uh, I'm recognizing that people, they they want to exclude or even punish people who aren't. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very tricky situation because I'm, I'm a little differently minded than the doctor. I, I get everything he says, and, and I agree to some extent, but there's a factor here that makes things, well, there's really two factors that make things really difficult. One is that the unvaccinated are engaging in a behavior that's putting the rest of us at risk. So it's not a benign choice of theirs. It's, it's more like they're you know, we're talking to people and saying, hey, do you drive 40 kilometers over the limit or, or not? And when someone says, yeah, I drive 40 kilometers over the limit, you know, it's not quite a perspective thing where we can just kind of say, oh, okay, okay, that's kind of cool, because it's not cool. Um, and, and that's one factor that's here is that they, they are potentially, you know, putting a lot of our children uh, at risk in, in schools if their children come from unvaccinated households. And they're, of course, bringing the risk of, of helping the new variant um, come aboard. And, and for those of us who, you know, have realized that the vaccine is the way out and maybe the only way out because it's certainly doesn't look like we're going to be able to do it with human behavior, then it is frustrating. It's, it's a little different, and it's harder to have that um, forgiving and friendly kind of approach that the, that the doctor is suggesting. The other factor that's really important and really frustrating is this isn't really, people have taken for the most part such extreme positions this. I mean, literally, to be an anti-vaxxer, you have to deny reality now. It's the, only, it's the only way to hold that position. That's the cognitive dissonance approach. And so, you know, that rational conversation that the doctor suggests, um, it, it's not clear it's possible to have those rational conversations, that, that there's some sort of middle ground where we could start at and take each other's perspective. You know, I would normally say use active listening, shut up, listen to that other person, really try to understand their perspective. But when you get into that with, with you know, uh, the most extreme of these people, they're, they're just taking you down this road of, of complete paranoia and fantasy. And so it's hard to actively listen non-judgmentally when what you're hearing just sounds ridiculous to you. And so, you know, that's what makes the, the situation so challenging, I think, is that there is an error of judgmentalism. Um, because there's a because what they're doing isn't just representing a different perspective that doesn't affect us this is our common enemy this pandemic and and we all want to see everyone pull together uh and defeat this common enemy we know the way to do it and we have 20% of the people who just are are not playing the game uh and and that gets really really difficult i think for many of us to to deal with and i think we're sensing a little bit of a I think there was a period of time when we were all sort of trying to be reasonable with one another and, and kind of having the doctor's approach of let's get the information out, let's make it as convenient as possible. But I do feel like we're getting more to an enough is enough. You oh. know, we're seeing universities just say, no, you must be vaccinated. Uh, and I think we're going to move a little more in that direction because we can't, you know, rationally get them where we need them to be. Carrie Macbeth, uh, hello. And um, how should people ask the question? Well, I mean, normal social etiquette would dictate you never talk to somebody about health issues. That dates back so far. Obviously, we're in a little bit of a different situation now with the pandemic and people have uh, their, their concerns, um, specifically now that we are opening up to more social situations. Um, the key thing is is figuring out why you're asking that question. Are you inviting people into a social environment? There's other ways of doing it than saying, are you vaccinated? You can state your vaccine preferences for social situations where that gives the person maybe who isn't vaccinated the option to not go as opposed to having to ask them. Because when you ask the question, are you vaccinated? You could get a really curt response of a no. And then what is the reason for you doing that? If you find out that they're not vaccinated, are you going to take six feet back? Are you going to throw on your mask? Um, basically, take care of yourself, be kind, and be calm with all of these things. You also don't know somebody's personal situation. They could have a health issue where they are unable to get vaccinated. Children under specific ages are unable to be vaccinated. So you really need to be mindful and figure out why you're asking that question. Okay, we've got to take a break. We'll be back. We'll be taking some calls and we will explore this further. It's obviously a tough issue. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are tackling a tough topic. And let's begin with Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. 
Hi, Debbie. Thanks for taking my call. I don't have any hesitation asking if uh, people have been vaccinated, if we're going to be in a social situation with them, particularly indoors. And while I don't wish to make anyone feel like a pariah, I do feel that people need to take responsibility for, uh, you know, the toll that the pandemic has taken on people and, and business. And it's incumbent upon all of us to do whatever we can to be vaccinated. Okay, Dennis, thanks for that. You're welcome. Yeah, um, Dr. Vaseman, one of the things I'm noticing lately is that uh, people are saying, because they say it's a very small percentage that are actually anti-vax. They say, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just against this particular vaccine. And they say, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but if I were required to get it, I would quit my job first. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting position. I guess some people are hesitant about, uh, you know, not knowing about the long-term side effects, but the evidence is overwhelming about the safety at this point, that this vaccine is no different than the rest. We know it is very effective, very safe, recommended for virtually everyone who's, who it's approved to be given to. Right. So, but, I, but I'm just saying you can't convince a person who says that. <laughs> that. Absolutely. I think some great points were made earlier that there, there is this group of people where you, it's going to be extremely hard to convince. And I absolutely think that the discussions that I might have with a patient would be different from a discussion where a friend might have with another friend. And of course, there's going to be high-risk areas where there is no way around it. We need to mandate vaccination. We, we can't have vulnerable people being exposed. But the, I guess the big, broader question is, how do we bring that 20% closer to being vaccinated? What is the best approach? You know, is it the stick or the carrot? That, that's always going to be the, the question. I think, you know, the people we need to listen to are the psychologists, the people who are experts in this area to help us. It may be that a combination of the both is the best way to bring more people to vaccines. Uh, Carrie Macbeth, uh, you know, what is, assuming that you would particularly indoors want to be uh, away from somebody who's not vaccinated, so what do you say? Uh, you can come over for tea if, if you're vaccinated. I mean, how do you navigate that? Well, Canadians are pretty uh, forthright in sharing that they've been vaccinated and and uh, the numbers just continue to increase with those that are vaccinated. And I think that the people closest to you have probably at this stage in the game told you if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Um, but if you don't know, again, if you're uncomfortable, don't ask that person to tea or put forth, right, you know, I, I would love to have you to tea. We're being a little bit careful right now. Just curious to know if they're, you know, if you have been vaccinated. If not, can we just wait a little bit longer? My comfort level just isn't there inside. Or take it outside. I mean, following what the health officers have said from day one, you know, keeping a, a, a distance. You can have beautiful engagements outside. The weather is, is beautiful. But again, when you're talking about vaccines, a way that you can um, relieve the conversation a little bit so that it doesn't get tense is stating that I care about you. I just care about you. Because, again, everybody has their own story and you need to be mindful of that. Okay, that's 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 pretty good advice. It's very non-confrontational. Um, Gail in Toronto. Hi, Gail. Oh, hi. Hi, Debbie. Uh, yeah, I just I just like to say I, I just think it's so sad that we're even having this debate. I mean, people are entitled to do what they wish with their own bodies if it's not harming others. Uh, but if you're, if you're in a position where others are being harmed by your actions, obviously we need laws and rules. And I just think it's so, so sad that, that the world has become so, I, I can't think of a more sophisticated word, but stupid. <laughs> you know, really, it is. All these debates, I mean, my goodness, everybody should be vaccinated. End, end of, you know... And as far as the government, I mean, it, it's a shame that politics has become so political. Uh, <laughs> Think a, about what you just said. <laughs> Everybody should be vaccinated, period. And I think it's, it's really, really sad that the world has got to this point where everything is so politically, I don't, I don't know. I'm, fr I'm very frustrated and, and very depressed about it, to tell you the truth, that uh, there's so many people in the world that are, Stupid. <laughs> okay. What can I say? Okay, thank you for that. Okay. 
Um, Steve Jordan's, if you end up sort of getting into it with yep. someone over this, yep. how do you begin to repair that or, or sort of de-escalate? I mean, I, I have friends that I like a lot that I kind of, I don't want to get into it with them. Yeah. You know, I have to honestly say on this issue, I don't think when you get to the pure point of trying to have a rational discussion about this, it's just going to become hyper-emotional and it's not going to go anywhere because, you know, when you're arguing with someone that begins by saying, turn off your TV or, or every expert in the world is lying to you, there's no rational way to kind of go anywhere from there. Uh, and so I, I don't think, you know, at the personal level, I don't think the idea of avoiding that conversation is necessarily so horrible because if, if we are double vaccinated, then really there's not a lot of risk to us to be around them uh, on that sort of personal level. So so I don't worry about it so, so much the way we were discussing it now, but I do worry about it on that higher level that, that, that the previous caller, Gail, was just talking about. And on the societal level, um, you know, we need to get out of this pandemic. We need our businesses to reopen. We we need to get back to a, a new normal, and we know the path to get there. And those those people who are just refusing, you know, not only to, to do the vaccination, but also to wear masks or whatever, they are really frustrating uh, for the rest of us who are, who are ready to get on with it and have found a path forward. Um, and so I think that's the frustration, and that's the worry if you, if you have this personal conversation with somebody, you know, a lot of those frustrations we're all feeling and that Gail just voiced, this person can become a really easy target uh, for us to unload that. And we know that they're already paranoid and angry and all these things. And so they're going to come right back. So I think it's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous um, ground to tread right now. I don't see uh, a way of negotiating that. uh, And, and, uh, you know, I would normally say, Listen to them very carefully. Try to be very non-judgmental. Try your best to see the world from their perspective. But in this context, um, the divide is just too extreme. Uh, Dr. Uh, Vaisman, I'm going to give you the last word, but does when you see a patient, if they've been getting something like this from other people, does it just entrench them? Or, uh, you know, what is likely to, you know, make a little dent? It's a great question, and you know many people have tried to answer this. I can only speak from my only per- my personal experience is that often having known somebody who's had COVID or experienced it themselves, which I occasionally will also see, will will be the the thing that maybe push them towards vaccination. Mm-hmm. That firsthand understanding of what COVID really means, having it presented to them right in their face that it's a deadly illness, that would be perhaps the most in my experience, that brings it to them. Obviously, that's not a sustainable way of convincing anyone of getting the vaccine because we can't do that. But, you know, that, that is one method that I've understood to be helpful. And, and uh, again, do you, do you think that people should be very kind to their friends like this or, or avoid it? I mean, from your point of view, what's better? Uh, yeah, you know, it could end up being a combination of things. I guess you have to judge it with your own situation, with your own friends. What is going to work better to work, get this person to get vaccinated? Is it going to be this discussion of sitting down and listening, or is it going to be one of more forceful, more firm discussion or not of discussing it at all? I think everyone has to make that judgment when they're discussing it with their with their close friends. Okay, and that is all the time we have, people. Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow. We can take this up again. Thank you so much, Carrie Macbeth, Dr. Alon Vaisman, and Steve Jordans. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.